Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always, as winter break has finally come for the Avalanche after two straight wins on home ice. They will head into the All-Star break with a 6-2 win over the Washington Capitals and a 5-1 win over the Los Angeles Kings. You know, I know for the longest time we've kind of been like, oh, this All-Star break is going to be so good for this team. They're finally going to be able to get healthy I don't really want them to stop playing right now. I was just about to say the same thing, dude, because they're playing just great hockey right now. And even that game against Boston, yeah, they got their, like, the score shows that it was five to two, but that game was closer than really the score indicated. And right now they're just playing some really good hockey. And Georgiev kind of seems to be in the groove these last three games. I don't know, man, that this break is going to be a good thing, but also pain because they're playing some really good hockey right now yeah looking real great nathan mckinnon is probably played the best three consecutive games of his career it feels pretty close you know it's a it's stiff competition for a guy like nathan mckinnon but when you have a four-point night and you follow that up with a natural hat trick and also a four-goal game your second four-goal game of the season and then a paltry two point night <laughs> against the Kings to, to head into the break, to regain the lead for the art Ross trophy. Nathan McKinnon has taken this team to a whole nother level. His game's on a whole nother level right now. We're going to talk all about it in this episode, but we'll start with the biggest and kind of out of nowhere news of the last couple of days. Uh, Zach Parisi, long time old enemy of the Colorado Avalanche, is now a member of the Colorado Avalanche, signing a deal for the remainder of this season at $825,000 against the cap. And he will make his debut with the team after the All-Star break. So not the reinforcements we saw coming, but reinforcements nonetheless. Zach Parisi, Colorado Avalanche. So I'm going to ask you a question uh, for something that I don't know. What what was that talk about the whole prorated stuff? So his contract is is it eight twenty five against the cap, or is it going to be three twenty five, or is that is his prorated just what he's going to get paid? This stuff is way above my head. Right, that's why I, I was hoping you knew because I'm I'm. It's very well known that I am not the smartest when it comes to that, but I kept seeing that and I was like, wait, is it eight hundred twenty five against the cap, or is it three twenty five? I think the problem is is like the contract is not like officially official yet, so not all of the details are out. It's not going to be eight twenty five because that's that's not how the salary cap works, where it's like you normally are banking salary cap space right. every day except the Avalanche right now are not because of all the LTIR that you're they're, they're using with Landeskog and Franco's right now, not Lekkanen anymore because Lekkanen is off LTIR. So I don't know exactly how that works because the salary cap in the NHL, you need a degree in theoretical astronomic physics to fully understand it. But I don't imagine it will be the full 825 against the cap. And even if it is, 
the abs are going to be fine salary cap wise but once the contract is fully registered and on the books we'll we'll see we'll see the okay. full story Okay, I, I just I needed you to explain to me like I was a five year old, and uh, it seems like we're both need someone to explain to us like we're five year olds. But getting back to the point, Zach Parise, longtime Minnesota Wild, an enemy of the Abs for a very long time. It's going to be weird cheering for him. I I it's just been so ingrained in my peanut sized brain to hate Zach Parise. So for him to be on the Abs and probably going to play a decent role with this team is going to take some some time to get used to. I mean, you know what? And it would take more getting used to if this was the first time, but we've just had, like, Devin Dubnik on this team. You signed Kibi Ranta this season. Like, Zach Parisi is like, sure, why not? Let's just, let's just add another guy to the collection of just former rivals that for some reason this team just loves to add. And apparently I mean, you can throw Darren Helm into that too. When yeah, Darren Helm's like, yeah. You can, you can throw Helm in there. And according to Miko Rantanen, both Landeskog and McKinnon were part of the push to get Parisi into Colorado. So sure. Why not? Did you, I did not know this until people were tweeting about it. I, I did not realize he had 21 goals last year. Parisi. I did not realize that. Yeah. Zach. Parisi, I mean, to his credit, Zach Parisi has been a very consistent goal scorer throughout his career really the only time that he had like a truly bad season was that last season in minnesota where that breakup was nasty like they they were no longer fans of each other and it was very clear zach Parisi was discontent with his new role in the organization which inevitably led to the now famous buyouts that have the minnesota wild tied up in over 14 million dollars in dead cap space half of which is zach parisi who is now a member of the avalanche which is very funny and even in his two years with the islanders he never missed a game he scored 15 goals his first season 21 the next season he had 35 and 34 points He's always been a pretty consistent guy, so he's going to come into the Avs' bottom six. It's going to be interesting to see where he really slots in, but it's not going to be a new role for him. And if he can give you eight to ten solid minutes a game, that is better than what Curtis McDermott has been giving you all season. If you are just slotting that out and slotting Parisi into that, immediately the team is better. Yeah, it was a sad day for me because once this signing happened, uh, I, I enjoyed this last game of Curtis McDermott for probably the rest of the year. I mean, barring injury, that there's a very slim chance that Curtis McDermott gets back into the lineup. It's it's for the better of the team. I'm selfish, and I just love watching Curtis McDermott do Curtis McDermott things. I mean, in this Kings game alone, he had, what, two penalties? Yeah, not a great day to be Curtis McDermott. They signed Zach Parise. And then a couple hours later, McDermott turns in probably his worst performance of the season, which we're, we're now just limbo dancing in hell with the bar when it comes with these performances at this point. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time ragging on Curtis McDermott again. We've done this for three years, and I'm just I'm so over it that I don't need to have this conversation anymore. But focusing on Zach Parisi as a whole, I think it's an interesting option because a 39-year-old is not exactly the the first option that comes to mind when you think of improving this Avs team. And all, all eyes are going to be on if Zach Parise can even move and keep up with this team. And I know a lot of people are thinking about Ryan Johansson 
and Thomas Tatar and how those guys weren't able to keep up. But the difference is Ryan Johansson, his role is pretty much to be entrusted with running a second line. And Thomas Tatar was almost like, we can, we might be able to put him on the top line with McKinnon. Zach Parisi is going to play a bottom six role. And it's not going to be a third line role because like we said, last episode, you don't touch the third line for the same reasons you saw in these games against the Caps and the Kings again. So he's probably playing on a fourth line role. And when this team gets healthy, ideally, like I said, eight to 10 minutes a night, if you're getting those solid minutes out of him, solid penalty kill minutes. And if he can just bang in a couple quality goals, especially at the low cap hit he's getting right now, it's a pretty it's a pretty solid move. I I think you have to keep your expectations tempered, but if he can still play, he's going to do some good things for you. My expectation for him going into the second half of the season is going to be can he be what Darren Helm was? Because yeah. Darren Helm in the regular season had what five goals maybe in the regular season that was a full 82 games. If he can go into the second half of the season maybe get two goals and then in the playoffs is just a fiend on the fourth line, then that's all we need from him. And it's it adds way more scoring punch to a fourth line. Like, let's be honest, Yoel Kiviranta hasn't scored in, what, 20 games now? I, Freddie like, Olsen. When was the last thing you've noticed from Yoel Kiviranta as of late? Well, I mean, it's like what we talked about with him. He's he's a good – he does nothing bad, does nothing good. He's yeah, just he, out he there. He's just a black hole. Yes, he, it's almost like he comes on the ice and you black out until he's off. Like nothing right. happens. You add Parisi to that fourth line and Freddie Olsen hasn't been great offensively, but if you add the fourth line, at least has a scoring option now with Zach Parisi an option. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see him get a couple shifts with like a, a second line, maybe if he's going hot one night, but if he can give you eight to 10 minutes of solid hockey, that's really all you need. And I, I'm excited to see what it's going to be. I'm excited to see what he has left in the tank. I can't say I watched too many Islanders games last year and was like, wow, Zach Parisi still has his legs. But if he can just be a decent fourth liner, that's – I mean, this is basically just a free trade acquisition. You didn't have to give anything away for it. Right. We we always on this show harp on asset management and how the apps can't do this and that because they don't have picks and they don't want to trade this guy and they don't want to do this and that. Where over the last several deadlines, every team makes a move or they give up a – fourth a fifth round pick to go and get a bottom six player to just round out the lineup this is kind of what you're doing here except you're just not giving up a draft pick I mean I have my concerns that Parisi hasn't played hockey since last season did not go through training camp has not skated with this team at all and is going to take a while to acclimate with the team and with the system and everything like that that's the I think the biggest concern here but in terms of asset management not giving up a pick, like I said. And let's say he, he's a total bust, doesn't have it anymore, can't keep up. It's a low cap hit. Again, third time in the last minute I've said this, you didn't give up a draft pick or anything for that. And you, you put him on waivers or you bench him. And at the end of the day, you tried and no harm, no foul at the end of the day. This is not the only move they're going to make. They're still no. going to make moves. And they still do have guys that they I think they can trust at the NHL level to go and do some things, but they want to try something else right now because I, I know we all rag on Bednar for putting Curtis McDermott in the lineup over and over again. I don't really think 
it's his first choice because he doesn't play him even when he is playing him. They 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 want to try something else. They want to see if they can squeeze the actual last bit of hockey that Zach Parisi has left out of him for nine minutes a game. Yeah, it's it's a. I'm excited to see what it's going to be because it is at least now you have a fourth line you can go out there and trust and they aren't going to be constantly where it feels like they're just pinned in the defensive zone. Like Zach Parisi is going to be able to help with that team. And my expectations for him are, are not that high. I mean, I I've kind of learned, I'm not going to get burned like I did with Thomas Tatar. Like if he's coming here and just provide nine, 10 minutes and take like a minute off of McKinnon and Rantanen's times. I'm cool with that. that. That's really all we need. And you just add more depth at this forward position, which we know is going to be absolutely massive when you get to the playoffs. It, it just plain out is. So the more forwards, the better. And we know the salary cap doesn't count in the playoffs. So if you're carrying 15 forwards with you, it gives Bednar options going into the playoffs. So I think it's a good signing. Um, I am a little surprised that he did sign with the Avs. There was some some smoke to it last week. I feel like there were some some tweets going out about that he was ramping back up and the Avs were on his list, but I did not expect him to come here. So I'm still a little surprised by it. When you sent me the tweet from the Avs saying that he was uh he was signing with the with the Avs, I I didn't know how to feel about it. But as time's passed, it's been what, probably like six, seven hours since the news came out. I think it's just going to be a good, solid depth forward option. I'm not expecting if he scores four goals in this last 40 games, that's a win in my books. Yeah. I mean, the rumors came out from Michael Russo earlier in the week. It was weird because it came like 14 minutes into his podcast. Wasn't anything that like he tweeted out personally or anything like that. He also mentioned that Boston and the Islanders, of course, were in on it. But if you're Parise, you're 39. You've been to one Stanley Cup final. That was over 10 years ago. You got a pretty good shot to win with this Avs team. And they probably feel like that he has a role that he can help out in. And to even counter my own point earlier of him starting late in the season and if that's going to hurt him, for a 39-year-old, it might help to play only 33 regular season games instead of 82. He's going to have fresh legs, man. He's going to have as fresh of legs as you can have at 39. I I love how we say that. And me and you are both, you know, I'm in my late 20s. You're in your early 20s. He's in better physical shape than we will ever be in our entire lives. But because he's 39 playing professional, you're like, I don't know, man. His legs may not be able to handle it. It's going to be interesting. He's going to have to hit the ground running because the first game back is against the Rangers. And that's going to be a tough matchup for him. But I'm excited to see what he can offer, man. It's just something new, and we're getting to that point in the season where we're going to see some new members of the Avs coming back and playing. So it's going to be an interesting um, next couple of months for this Avs hockey team. There's going to be a lot of turnover, I imagine, on this team. Yeah, I, I think this is the start of a couple of moves that shape how this Avs team is going to look going into the playoffs. Like, I don't think Zach Parise is the thing that's going to push you over the top, but I think it could help. I think it's an interesting addition, and again, it fits some of Bednar's criteria, where he's a solid penalty killer, he can bang in pucks in front of the net, just is able to do some greasy bottom-of-the-lineup kind of things, experienced. Is he super fast? For 39, absolutely. I mean, he's not Miles Wood, but for a guy who's been in the league for a long time, at 38 years old, I mean, the the only good thing the NHL has done recently is the the NHL edge stuff, which shows you, like, skating speed yeah. and everything. <laughs> like, he's not 
a speed demon, but he still can regularly get into speed bursts of over 20 miles an hour. He's in the 74th percentile for that and 56th percentile for top skating speed overall. I mean, he's not a slow poke. He's not Ryan Johansson. He's not going to be behind the camera every time the play <laughs> is happening on screen. Like he's going to be able to keep up with the bottom six, you know, there might be a rare shift he's on the ice with Nathan McKinnon. I doubt those are going to last, but I I think this could work. I think it's an interesting addition, especially without having to give up the asset, like I've said, at nauseum so far. I'm excited to see how it pans out, especially since he hasn't been on the wild the last two seasons. You know, I, I feel like time mends all wounds. And it you does. Know, playing for the wild is punishment enough. Yeah. Who's the next enemy that you think the Avs add? I don't know. We've kind of collected the the big ones lately. I yeah. mean, I like Kiwi Ranta would be the joke answer, but he's yeah. on the team. Like it's not it's not Jordan Bennington. I think that's that's a bridge too far for this team to cross. That would be funny if we got Bennington near the end of his career. I don't know if there is like like maybe like it's flurry, dude. Like yeah, we've, we've had this conversation. Yeah, but he like he's your enemy. He's only was on the wild for a couple my, of years. Yeah, yeah, he's like your personal enemy. It, it, it'll be. I don't know who the next one's going to be. It, it's going to be. It's going to be fun. Who's, but, who's, a, who's like an upcoming UFA on like a rival team that we could pick off? What's what's uh is Keegan Colasar a free agent after this year? You know who it is. Who? It's Joe Pavelski. Yeah, Jesus, that that would be the perfect villain arc if he came to the Abs. It's his final year. He is an upcoming UFA. Dude, if the Avs get Joe Pavelski, I will do backflips. I don't even care that he'd be 43 years old by the end of that contract. Joe Pavelski does not even know that he's yeah. 39. Right what now. if Zach Parisi's Joe Pavelski? That'd be hilarious if yeah, he came to the Avs. Just, just... You just kick him right back in the prime <laughs> Minnesota wild form. That'd be it, fantastic. It is wild because you just – you forget how good Zach Parisi was. Like there was a reason he got signed to that massive contract. Oh, yeah. I like, mean, he's like that contract is historic. It was him and Ryan Suter signing those contracts was the last bastion of illegal as fuck contracts. Yes. Like the, the, you can see why they don't exist anymore because it's still going and still has massive ramifications. And the GM who signed it took another job fucked over that team so hard and is now out of the league. Who and was the G- I Fletcher. don't even Fletcher. Oh, Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> Good old Chuck Fletcher. Um, but just put on it. I I'm excited to see what he can offer. Uh, I love Curtis McDermott with all of my heart. Uh, but if he's out of the lineup, this team's better. So Parisi gets on the ice. It, it will be good. And I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the abs have a really good first third fourth and two thirds of the second line. Like this team is almost complete. They're almost there where you could say this is a Stanley cup favorite, but they're just missing that huge, huge piece in that second line center. Yeah. Which they, they have to address. They're not going to address that here, but they have to address that at the deadline. Cause if they just do that, they're so close. They're this team kicks so much ass. dude. (laughs) They are. This team is awesome. Um, but let, let's uh, – anything else on Zach Brees before we move into our, our game thoughts for these past two games? No, I th- I think that we'll just have to let the results speak for themselves. He hasn't played hockey this year. I mean, it's, it's hard to even say what Zach Parisi is going to be. But speaking of this team kicking ass, 
we kind of nailed how these two games were going to go. Yeah. The Caps one especially, I I undersold how bad the Caps were going to kick their ass in this game. I said 5-2, and it was 6-2. And all all of my, my fellow Caps fans watching this game alongside me were like, holy shit, this is so much better than watching this godforsaken team play every single night. God bless my friend Noah who tweeted watching Nathan McKinnon as a Caps fan is like a caveman with an air fryer. You don't don't understand how this works or how this happens. Nathan McKinnon, a natural hat trick. The first since Joe Sackick in what, 2004 to do that for this team. It's been a long time since a natural hat trick finishes it off with a four goal night, his second four goal night of the season, which has not happened in the NHL since the 07-08 season when Alex Ovechkin did it, who was front row. Greatest goal scorer of all time. Yeah, greatest goal scorer of all time. Also front row to watch Nathan McKinnon go do that in this game. And this is not at all detracting from Nathan McKinnon, his performance in this game, one of the most dominant performances of his life. The Caps had a very bold strategy of just leaving him wide open on those two power plays to start the game. I don't know what the hell was the plan for this game for the Caps. The Avs kicked them up and down the ice. They looked like they were playing a high school team. Yeah, this was coming on the heels of the Caps getting blown out by Minnesota the night before. The, the, this this Caps team, we've Sucks. talked about. Yeah, they're, they're bad. And Charlie Lindgren has been great this year. He looked terrible in this game. And he Nathan got McKinnon. left out to dry. Yeah. He was a soaking wet shirt hanging out on a clothes dryer. He had no, what's he doing on any of these goals kind of thing? McKinnon cross ice pass wide open two separate times on a power play <laughs> and all alone on a two on one breakaway. Like he is just lying in a puddle of his own tears after every game. The fact that he has a 929 before this game with this team in front of him should have him as the third member of the heart conversation. <laughs> it's not even close. It it was it was a, a really crazy game. And Charlie Lindgren's been good all year. I, I, I think we both were surprised that they went Kemper the night before in uh, Minnesota. I honestly think if Lindgren plays in Minnesota, they probably win that game. Mm. Uh, they played just as bad. Yeah, they did. Minnesota. They did. I watched that game too. But it, Charlie, I'm going to feel bad for Nathan McKinnon. Like you said, he has, do you have four or five points? Four? He had five points in the game. Oh. He had four goals. That's right. So he had five points. And the crazy part is he ended with four goals. In the third period, he probably passed up like two or three grade A chances to try and make a pass just because he was like, I don't want to score anymore. <laughs> and then he, bored. he got yeah, bored. Of he got bored and he was trying to set up Miko. And then finally on the, when he did score the fourth goal, it was like, he, he'd had no one to pass to. So he's like, well, I guess I'll just rip a fucking wrist shot right past Charlie Linger for the fourth goal. It's he's just playing on a different level right now. It extends his home point streak to 25 games in a row, which he's ties Bobby Orr. Which that's always good. Second longest home we point. We seem streak. to be doing that a lot on this team lately. Yeah, talking about Bobby Orr and the records we're passing with him. Yeah, Bobby Orr is is awesome. But after another home game where I imagine he'll score again, he'll be at twenty six. It's just crazy. How long would his point streak be if he didn't have that game against St. Louis? 
that one game because he, he stopped it and then he hasn't gone without a game without scoring again since then. Because what it's 13 now, right? It's at 13, yes. It's at 13, and that game against the Blues, how long was that? I don't remember how long that one was. Was it – what was the record for the Avs? I think it was 20 for Stastny, so I think he was at 19. Yeah, so that that's absurd. It, so you're talking he's – if he doesn't have that one, he's on a 33-game point streak. Yeah, just like, <laughs> like almost half the season. Almost half and, the season. Speaking of like half the season, they showed that stat of McKinnon being tied with Bobby Orr, 25 straight home games with a point. You've got Surely you think he's coming for the record sometimes. No, not even close. No, because Wayne <laughs> fucking Gretzky scored 40 straight home games. <laughs> I hate Wayne Gretzky because you get cool shit like this in the modern age where it's like, oh, man, this has to be his sort Nope. Not, Not even close. You have to genuinely do it for the entire, entire season. Year. The entire season for 41 games, you have to record a point on home ice to pass Wayne Gretzky. Kick fucking rocks, Wayne. Well, be Wayne. careful. It is Wayne Gretzky's day. birthday today, still in mountain time. <laughs> it's still Wayne Gretzky's birthday. 63. Um, Wayne, we know you love listening to the show. Yeah, Wayne, I know, I know you're a big fan, but you ruin everything. You ruin everything. And it's, it's just coming so easy for McKinnon, man. Like this game against the Caps, I know the Caps aren't great. This was just easy for him. The game is moving so slow for him and he is just, he's on a different level right now. And I, I, I feel like it shouldn't even be a question of if he's going to win the MVP, but you have Steven Stamkos out on his soapbox already complaining that he's not getting enough credit because he plays in Tampa. And it's like, dude, fuck off. He's already won an MVP. Like, Calm the fuck down. I'm so sorry you're going up against the media empire that's Denver, Colorado. (laughs) Us and our, like... Five local reporters who cover the team, like that. Right. They're that media agenda is so but crazy. Oh, he's just, he's not in a big market. Does this team ever stop crying? That's what I'm just about to say. Dude, like, like for a team that has two Stanley Cups, one of the most dominant runs in the modern salary cap era, they whine more than any team I have ever seen. It, it's crazy. And Stephen Stamkos, you're a great player. Why are you getting worry worry about your contracts coming (laughs) up right now and how they don't even want to re-sign you before you start pumping Nikita Kucherov's times? And I just love it because you got Stamkos getting asked that. And then when McKinnon gets asked it by Evan, he just laughs and goes, well, I've never won it before. So I don't know what it feels like. He doesn't even care. He's not even thinking about it. He just wants to win hockey games. And you know Nikita Kucherov's bothered right now by this. He never said it publicly. But you know He's pissed off right now because he's he's playing great. Nikita Kucherov is the second best player in the NHL right now. He's the second best player in the NHL. Playing great right now. It is not an insult to say he is not the heart winner because Nathan McKinnon has just been that unbelievably dominant. To rob him for a third time would require an investigation. (laughs) There is no fucking way you can take it from him this year. And he won't let you because it's not going to be a decision at the end of the year. Everyone who's still a holdout and pointing at Kucherov and the percentage of goals and everything, which didn't matter last time McKinnon was in this conversation, I would add, by the way. So it shouldn't matter this time either, but people will always find an excuse. But I'm telling you, McKinnon is going to put distance on this. And also Tampa has to worry about making the playoffs first before they can ever worry about having the heart conversation again. But McKinnon is going to put distance on this, and I think he is going to 
be pretty ahead of Kucherov in points by the end of the season. I'm not saying by like 20, but it's going to be pretty clear cut when this team continues to go on the run that they're on. McKinnon's going to shatter all of his personal bests. Yeah, I just loved – there was a tweet. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was like Kucherov has um, had 41 points in his last, like, 35 games, and he lost ground in the points race to McKinnon. <laughs> it's like I'm, at, I'm scoring over a point per game, and you have been passed. Yeah, it's ridiculous, dude. He is just playing at such an unreal level. I'm, I'm really hoping he can sustain it. It's not a question if he sustains it. It's just if McKinnon can stay healthy, the heart trophy's his. Yeah, and he Nathan playing. McKinnon has people throwing their bras on the ice. Tell and me thongs. when Nikita, and yeah, thongs, bro. bras and thongs on the ice. Get tell me when Nikita Kucherov does that, and I will entertain this conversation. Yeah, and the craziest part about it, he's up to thirty goals now too. Like he's he's not out of the race for the Rocket. I know uh, Austin Matthews has a huge lead on that, but the way McKinnon's going, and we know what happens when the calendar hits January and February for McKinnon, the goal streaks he goes on. It's not out of the question for doing like, the rock currently yeah. on. Like this is what we were saying. McKinnon was scoring like at a reasonable superstar rate for the entire season so far. In the last three games, he has seven goals, pretty much. Uh, or is it six at this point? Yeah, it's, you know, six. I'm sorry, six Me goals in three games. Like bad. this is the beginning of the Nathan McKinner bender where we usually see where it's like, oh, there's no way he gets to 40. And then you blink your eyes at the end of the season. He has 45. Like he's not out of the question for the rocket. Obviously, Matthews is going to have to slow oh, it down. Was, it was seven. I was right. It was seven. Okay. Yeah. Because Matthews is at what? 36 or 37? 39. 39. Jesus Christ. Fucking eight. Good for Austin Matthews. Uh, there is a chance that he he can catch that. There is a chance. I, I'd give it a 2% chance, but He's going to make it closer than we want. And just overall, man, he is he is playing at a level we've never seen him play before, which is crazy to say when he's been one of the best players on planet Earth for the past seven years. Yeah, and that's why the main... Not seven years. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like four years. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, that just went right over my head. I need yeah. ready for that. But the main point I want anyone to take away from this episode is... What we are witnessing right now, I know that like everyone's screaming at you, don't take it for granted, Nathan McKinnon is special, but really sit down and comprehend what we are witnessing right now. Because there's going to be a day where Nathan McKinnon no longer plays for this team. This era of the avalanche is inevitably over. It's going to be down years, and then great players are going to come back, and maybe they'll win some championships and some awards. Like There's going to be eras of this team. There will never be another Nathan McKinnon who does things the way that he does it, where the game just slows down for him and becomes easy against the best players on earth. Like, I rag on the Caps every time they're brought up. Those are still professionals. Those are still guys who have played hockey since they're five years old, and he's making them look stupid every time he's on the ice and still following his post-game routine down to the T after every Did you see what Bednar said after that? Yeah. Where like, that was crazy to me that the, the team's just like, we'll be an hour late because McKinnon just wants to ride the bike and work out yeah, after like, that like, whole interview was just fascinating. And what what are they gonna do? Argue? Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with it. It's like I love how Bednar's like, yeah, now some guys just do it with him. And it's like, well, yeah, when the best player yeah. in the world is doing that, you kind of have to do it with him. Like, but it's, like that's that's my point where it's like this man has won his Stanley Cup is right now until the end of the season 
has the highest cap hit in the NHL and is playing like he is a fringe roster player fighting for his life, just always wants to be better, always looking for things to improve, always looking to be at the top of his game. And over the last, like you said, four seasons, we have seen this guy grow from elite to generational. And that is a term that I think gets thrown around too much, where people look to call a, a, a superstar generational. Like Nikita Kucherov is elite, superstar, one of the best players in the world. That is not what I would define as generational. Generational is Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. And honestly, for that era, end of the list. I don't really think, like maybe Patrick Kane. I think, I think Kane's in the conversation. Kane's in the conversation. That's, that's my point. He's in the conversation. Yes. Crosby, Ovechkin, done deal. Kane, absolutely in that conversation, but he's not plastered up there. That's the bar. Generational is what Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon do. Those and Kyle McCarr. Kind of, yeah, and Kale McCarr. <laughs> but even the fact that that's even a whole thing, like that's a yeah. whole other can of worms that I don't even want to open right now, which is how ridiculous that idea is but what nathan mckinnon does and how committed he is and the edge he carries into every single game and the amount of talent that he has we might go the rest of our lives and never see another athlete like this again where he puts up a quiet four-point night and gives up the hat trick to logan o'connor because he knows he's going to get several of those again we all know he's going to get that and then goes out there the next game and puts up four. <laughs> and could add five or six. And could, it, could it have is, had five or six, but yes, go It's ahead. crazy because Joe Sackick's the greatest player in Avalanche history. It's not out of the question that Nathan McKinnon could come close to him. And Joe Sackick's a first bout Hall of Famer, probably one of the top 25 players of all time. Like Nathan McKinnon's on the path to be just as good as Joe Sackick. And that is... If I would have told like my dad, who's been an ab, was an ab season ticket holder from the very beginning, that there would be a player... 30 years later, who would be just as good as Joe Sackick, he would have laughed in my face. But there is a realistic possibility that if McKinnon keeps this up, he's going to come close to Joe Sackick. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon has done everything in his power to be better than Joe Sackick. And if he finishes up his career with a heart at the end of the season, maybe another one before his time's done, and Art Ross maybe somewhere along the way, and hopefully a couple more titles, it's too early, but that conversation will be had. And there is also a real chance it might not be a question. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. it's crazy to think that. It's crazy to think that because Joe Sackick is Joe fucking Sackick. Joe he Sackick has, is the avalanche. Yes, he has that, 600 that, that, and something goals. Like He yeah. is just an absurd hockey player. And Nathan McKinnon is going by the end of his career. If it keeps going this way, we're going to look back and be like, maybe. <laughs> it, yeah. it could be a legitimate debate. And the, the crazy thing about McKinnon is, like, he's 28. Like, you, you've you got time. Like, you've got okay. several good years left in this guy. But also, this might be his best. We might go through the rest of Nathan McKinnon's career and see him do ridiculous things and have 100-point seasons and win more cups. What we are watching right now could be the season that we all look at when it's all said and done and go, damn. <laughs> he really did that shit. Like Ovi had that season where he scored 65 goals and he was elite for the rest of his career until now. But that's the one you look at where he's like, damn, 
he really scored 65 goals in a season. And with Sidney Crosby, when you go and look back at the end of his career, it's like, man, he really went and did that shit in his prime where he just takes over games the way he does. This could be that season for Nathan McKinnon where he has whatever pace he's on right now, 130 points, a heart trophy, 55 plus goals, potentially another Stanley Cup if all things go well by the end of this. I, I just want to drill into everybody's head because it's being drilled into everyone's head by every self-respecting media outlet in Colorado. Do not take this for granted. This is like, oh, that's just what McKinnon does. Because we've been doing that the last couple of episodes. Like, that's just what he does. Five points, what he does. Appreciate this. It's It's unbelievable unbelievable to have this kind of athlete play for your organization because this carries a standard not just through the rest of the lineup for generations you have a standard to live up to because that's what joe sackett did he set the standard for this organization and nathan mckinnon if nothing else is continuing that legacy continuing it will be good um to to detract from the nathan mckinnon talk are we sure obi's gonna break Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record. You don't need to do this right. Like I'm having such a good time <laughs> right now. Like I just went on such a heartfelt bottom of my heart rant about how much I appreciate Nathan McKinnon. And you're just going to throw that in my face. Like, I mean, like it, it, it seemed like it was for sure, but there were some times last night where he passed up slap shots. And I was like, what the fuck is Ovi doing, man? Like he has what? Six goals this year. Yeah. He's he's he's. I don't, why are you doing? He's got eight. First of all, give him a little <laughs> bit of credit. But like, why are you doing this to me? What the fuck I just have to ask because I we talk about it. He's the greatest goal scorer of all time, and Father Time gets everyone. But it it's weird to see Ovi not be at like 15, 20 goals, and he still needs what like sixty to pass Gretzky. Yes, I think sixty nine. So let, let's say he finishes this year with twenty, which. I mean, we'll have to see if he can even well, get to he, 20. He'd have to get hot for that. Yeah. Like, how many years does he have left on his contract? Two after this? He has two years after this one. All right. Maybe this is just an off season. If he, it's going to be tight. It seemed like it was going to be a slam dunk. And now you're like, oh, this like maybe was, the, catching this was up the worst thing that could have happened. I mean, he went from 48 to 24 in the shortened season in 45 games, which is not that bad. And then he had another 50-goal season and 42 last year, and right now he is on pace for 15. How? What's his shooting percentage right now? Probably like zero. It, like, it, it was so weird because there were multiple times in this game that he was set up for the one-timer, and he tried to do a slap pass to Tom Wilson like twice. And it's like, that's Ovi's spot is that slap shot. That's what the whole power plays put around. And they just... He's just passing it up, and I'm cheering for Ovi to break it because I don't think there'll ever be another player who comes close to this record. But you have to wonder, like, he's slowing down a little bit. Is he going to be able to catch this record? He is shooting at 5.4%, which is 9% less than last season. Okay. So there will be some correction, maybe, and if he gets up to 7 or 8, he can get there. But it's just weird, man. It's weird because we've talked about it, like, this is basically, like, 2% 2% a cap show because you're a caps fan and you were born and raised in the DC area. It's just weird to see him struggle to score. And he just, 
He looks slow, man. He looks really fucking slow out there. I don't know what happened, but it's just like it all went. Yeah. See, like I don't know what it was. I don't know if there's just no center to set him up anymore, but he's got three power play goals. On That's season. crazy. And like he's got, I think, like an empty net goal or two in there. And like I think like one really, really lucky goal against the Penguins a couple of weeks ago in Pittsburgh. It's been brutal to watch. Like this cap season, it sucks because they're and it's not- crazy that they're even in playoff consideration right now because they can't score the fucking puck, dude. They're offensively, this team is trash. And the Avs gave them two. Dylan Strom had two goals. Oh, Ryan Strom, Dylan Strom, Dylan oh. Strom. He had two goals. And the first one, Georgiev, if he doesn't go and play the puck, that's an icing. And then the second was just a beautiful passing play. Other than that, I don't remember a dangerous opportunity for the Caps in that entire game. No, I mean, the, the first 10 minutes was a slog fest because the Avs just looked a little rusty after having a three-day break. And, you know, and the Caps had a shot advantage, which the, I, I watched the, the Caps broadcast for this game because it's blacked out on ESPN when they're here. And they they rode that for the whole game. It's like, well, the Caps look good in the first 10 minutes. Like, what what can they take away from this absolute domination? And the sad thing is Dylan Strom is the leading point scorer and goal scorer on this team with 30 points. Oof. And 18 goals. And Alex Ovechkin is second in 29 with 29 points. Yeah, this team can't score. The Abs took care of business against them. And then the other part we have to talk about in this game Sorry to put that Ovechkin thought into your brain. That was mean, especially for you at almost coming up on 1, 1 a.m. in the yeah, East it's Coast. Like, it's 1 a.m. Like I'm legitimately like sacrificing so much <laughs> energy right now, and you're just going to throw that at me. Yeah, just like, I'm throwing the negative do you shit do the, Do you want to do the rest of the show? Like, no, I'm, no, I'm good. But... I need you here. Uh, there was a, a crazy part in this game that he gets distracted from Nathan McKinnon having five points. Miko Ranton also had five points in this game, <laughs> and he's fifth in the league in scoring right now. Like Miko Rantanen is quietly going to have just a phenomenal season. And we talked about in the last episode where it's like, are we just too hard on Miko? Like he's having another great year, five points in this game. And like I said, he was in the top five in points in the NHL, which is he fourth now? He's fourth. That's <laughs> just absurd, dude. And it's good for Miko Rantanen. He needs to keep, um, I think he likes kind of being forgotten about in this game, but five points for him. And I don't know what else to say other than Miko is playing some good hockey. (laughs) He had five points and it was the quietest five point night in history because, oh, his line mate had four goals and an assist. And and also five point came. Yeah. And now Miko Rantanen. Is fourth in the league in points scoring right now, 66 points. Only people ahead of him, David Pasternak, Nikita Kucherov, and Nathan McKinnon. Nathan oh, McKinnon, who is in first with 84 in, points. In first. Yeah, it's 64 points would be leading most teams. And uh, he just yes, happens to be. He, he has the- double Dylan Strom, who is the Caps' leading point scorer. Yeah. He has more I than double. What they say on the broadcast tonight during the Kings game that uh, I think it's who I forget who was the leading scorer for the Kings. They have like 42 and it's like, yeah, Nathan McKinnon has 82. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not even, it's not even close. So really, I know that's, you have one game of these two done. So you only have to do this one more time this year where you have to watch your two favorite teams. Oh, play. This was a, outside of not having Obi score. This was a perfect result where McKinnon dominates this game as much as he did. And the abs blew them out as badly as they did. Cause it's good for the abs to have big wins like that. McKinnon, 
helps the heart propaganda and it makes caps management closer to realizing that this team is fucking done yeah. that there is nothing left and it is stupid to not trade anything that isn't nailed down like it's yeah. over this team sucks i said it from the first game of the season <laughs> this team sucks i watched them on my birthday in person and went this team is terrible they're yeah. not doing anything and they got goaltending for half a season and we're barely hanging around the playoffs and Scott Carberry or yeah Carberry why do I call him Scott Carberry that's not his name I don't know why <laughs> I don't know I made that Spencer. up at the beginning of the season but yeah coach Carberry said before the Minnesota game we have to enter playoff mode now because we're going to see what this team is well, we found out didn't we they got blown out by Minnesota and blown out in Colorado and it's done they're they're bad they're done. So uh, another big story uh, in that last point on the this Caps game before we move on to the Kings game, Bo Byram and Arturi Lekkinen returned to the lineup. Bo looked okay. Lecky looked like he was getting his legs underneath him. But I did want to ask you this question because it's tough. Arturi Lekkinen is too good to be playing with Ryan Johansson and Andrew Cogliano. I'm sorry. Like I, I know you can't break up what you have with the top line, but you got to figure out a way to get Arturi Lekin in more minutes with better players. Yeah. Like, he's just too good. I'm watching him play in these past two games, and even though he's returning from an injury, it's like he is way above the skill level of his other linemates. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor at DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. The Avalanche have been rolling lately as we get to the second half of this season. If you want to put your money where your mouth is as a fan, you can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get access to this offer of 5 bucks on any NHL game and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. And now, back to the episode. Yeah, it's it's not even a conversation, really, that you need to put him with better players. But also, he, he did just come back. You got to ease him right. into the lineup and everything. But it's also like Arturi Lekkinen with total rusty legs will skate laps around Ryan Johansson. Right, and Andrew Cogliano is having a good year. He's playing yeah. good, but you you just watch him in these two games, and you're like, Arturi Lekkinen is way better than right. anyone like, else. Cog- Cogliano is a fourth liner. He is yes. a fourth line penalty killing forward and putting him with Arturi Lekkinen does it like that's not a thing. Like that's <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway. I'm watching this. I'm like, why is Lecky playing with these guys? And it, it's it it's tough because you can't break up those two lines ahead of them right now. You just can't. No. Like Duran's playing well enough. And we've seen when you move Duran down, he's not as effective because it helps playing with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranston. But it poses the question, like, what are you gonna do? Like Arturi Lekkinen is too good to be playing third line minutes. He's just too good. Yeah, like he's just the the cast off right now where you you're putting him there hoping that you can get something out of Ryan Johansson. Like he's just a sacrificial lamb because like you said, how do you touch the top 6 right now? You, you can't don't, you don't touch Wood Colton O'Connor because again, Logan O'Connor in this game 
has just figured out how to score at an unbelievable level. Like he's not just tapping in bucks. He's sniping shit. And you get Miles Wood and Colton doing all the right things to set him up. Like, again, you don't touch it. And with McKinnon scoring, what he is, what are you going to do? Put Lekkinen with him? I mean, maybe. That might just be fucking awesome. But are you bumping Drouin off of that after how well their chemistry has developed over the last little bit? I mean, for Lekkinen, it might just be just waiting until this team does something about their situation. And maybe until Val's back before he has a line. It's just crazy, man, because it, you we had just gotten so used to without playing with him. And then in these first two games back, you watch him out, then you're like, this dude is way too good to be playing third line right now. Right. He, he is just too talented to be playing with Ryan Johansson and Andrew Cogliano. It's just plain and simple. But you, you can't touch the top six right now. And when you get back Val and hopefully a second line center, that's your second line, which is going to kick ass. But right now, it's almost like you're playing with Lecky on like, you, you have like, locks on him for right now he's just like he's gets 12 minutes and that's that's it for right now but in those 12 minutes you're just looking at him like this dude is so much better than the third line yeah like he's he is the third line entirely right now anything that happens with that line is going to be driven entirely through him like he hasn't played in two and a half months and he's out there just right back to old lekkanen it's like you said it's a shame that he has no one on the ice with them at the same time like he he's so back and he's going to be such a big contributor for this team down the stretch i can't wait to see what he's going to do yeah it's just it, it it worries me not worries me but it's just like you're watching this and you're just like this is something's off on this like it, it's that meme where it's the three dragons and one of them looks normal and that's lacking and the other two are making silly faces at cogliano and johansson yeah. but it, it's going to be tough to see until he gets back Fully. I, I just don't know what Bednar's going to do. It's a good problem to have to figure out who's going to get bumped down, but it's just, it's weird watching that. And then did you also see the contract that Owen Tippett just signed? I did. I mean, I, it's expensive, but I don't hate it for eight. I don't hate it, but I think him and Lekkanen are very similar players and Lekkanen's making $2 million less. I said it when the contract was signed. This Lekkanen contract is so fucking good. You have three more years of him at four and a half. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. Because I, I think Owen Tippett's been great, but I think him and Lekkanen are very similar players and Lekkanen's making $2 million less than him. You got four and a half. With the cup tax. He signed that after we won. <laughs> Absurd. How dude. is it not six? I can't I still can't believe that's a real contract that we signed. I know there was a couple deals after we won, like the Manson deal. It might have seemed a little expensive. You got Cogliano. Dude, I don't know, man. Josh Manson is kind of playing up to his contract value this year. I know. I know. It's so great. Like Cogliano and Helm got like a little above two million, and that made people upset. But I don't know, man. Lekkanen contract's great. Josh Manson, he came back healthy. And what it's amazing you know? what happens when you're not playing at 25%. Like, bro, it's amazing what you can do when you can turn. Like, I I, right. I, pinched, I pinched my neck in my sleep last night, and I'm, I'm on, a like, a, a shoot today, like, trying to film stuff. I can't turn. Like, you don't realize how much that affects you. Right. And that's just, like, my neck. Like, I'm not paralyzed. Like Josh Manson couldn't move last year in the playoffs as going out there and playing playoff hockey. No wonder he didn't look good. Uh, no one would look good. And he, he looked great. He's looking good. Um, 
we've kind of transitioned into the Kings game by talking about Logan O'Connor scoring, and now Josh Manson had a goal in this game too. This was just another game where they have to kick the shit out of. Like this Kings team, being a Kings fan has to be so frustrating right now because the talent's there. They just, I don't know what it is lately for them. They look like absolute dog shit. They, They just look terrible. Yeah, they they they're having the same problem that the Abs had a couple of weeks ago. You had Drew Doughty basically having the Taze comments from earlier in the season, and Doughty's basically calling out guys for being individuals. <laughs> Pierre Luc Dubois, but also there's a problem with this team right now in the fact that Cam Talbot has crashed through the ceiling. And who, who could have saw that coming? You could have seen that coming, and your backup's big save Dave, who doesn't tend to get a lot of big saves these days. And they're just coming down to, to earth. I mean, P- Pierre-Luc Dubois has 20 points and a minus 14. Not to point every single finger at him, but it's like I tweeted. It's crazy how all of these problems just seem to follow him. Follow him. And he just can't seem to catch a break. That Every team he's on just apparently has the same problem of people playing like individuals. And no one wants to call out the problem, but they just all happen to be teams that he's on. Have you seen a player who is not a star player get treated like a star more than Pierre-Luc Dubois? I I never got it. I Neither did I. I. Wait, this dude is touted as like he's on the top echelon of centers. He's, he's playing fourth line center right now. <laughs> right. Like, this is a guy who never had 30 goals in a season. Career high of 61 in his sophomore year. Had 60 goals his second his first full season with the Jets. Pretty good. It's that's pretty good second line center stuff. Yeah. A guy he he's the only player I've seen recently who wants to be treated like a star who is not a star. And somehow he's been traded around like he is a star. I, I don't know how they managed to talk to Kings into an eight and a half million dollar contract for eight <laughs> years. Like I, that that is one of the biggest robberies I've ever seen. It's crazy, man. He he did nothing tonight against the Avs. Absolutely nothing. Like I, was, I was trying to think of an example of him in this game. I, I've got nothing. I did not notice him at all. And here's the thing. If he's this talented, he's going up against the Avs' fourth line of McDermott, Olafson, and uh, Kiviranta, and he still didn't do jack shit. And he's losing. He's losing to that. Like the, the Kings are, if you go back to our season preview, I think we kind of nailed the Kings where it's like, this team's going to go as far as their goaltending takes them. At the beginning of the year, their goaltending was awesome. Now the goaltending sucks and this team kind of stinks. Yeah, and, I, think, I think what I said about them that I was kind of eating crow on early in the season is like, they didn't really do anything. Yeah. Like they didn't fix any of their problems. Like they got Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we said at the beginning of the season, like that's not a difference maker. That's not a guy you trade those kinds of assets for. Because he's not going to push you over the top. I mean, you traded Velarde and Ayafalo for him. And uh, Rasmus Kupari, like, who's not terrible. I mean, he's not going to be huge in the NHL, but he's something. But still, you traded up Gabe Velarde, who's been hurt for most of the year, but was on that, like, ridiculous goal-storing streak yes. earlier in the season. And Alex Ayafalo, who I, I really wanted the apps to get when it was rumored he was on the trade block in the offseason. And, like, just solid depth player, and they got a second. I just I don't understand the Dubois thing at all. They didn't do anything. Talbot's not a solution in net. Like they're spending under two million dollars in net when goaltending has been their biggest problem. What? Last wait, wait, wait! Isn't there another team in that division who like kind of did the same thing, and it's just not worked out for them? Oh, that's right. See, I mentioned Oilers. Uh, Ken Holland tried to do that with like not paying a goaltender. It doesn't work out. You need a goaltender to win in the NHL. 
Right. And then the Oilers developed a goalie and now they have Stuart Skinner who sucked to begin the season and is now passable. And now they're about to break the winning streak record. It's ridiculous. Um, but I mean, there's not much to take away for the abs in this game because everyone was just good in this game for the abs. I, I thought everyone, I thought Alexander Georgiev had one of his better games of the year uh, ends with a nine sixty three save percentage. The one goal he allowed it's tough because I, I honestly think if Logan Connor doesn't break his stick, I don't think the Kings score on that, but Logan Connor breaks a stick and uh, Kevin Fiala, who's still, I love Kevin Fiala the way he plays. He is an awesome player rips one. But other than that, Gary have made some huge saves that break away on Fiala in the second period when it was three, one after the abs just had a double minor power play where one of the worst power plays of the year. And he makes a huge breakaway save. Like I, I kind of hate that the All-Star break is coming for Georgiev, too, because these past couple games, Georgiev has looked better. Yeah, and I love the the interview they had with him about the All-Star game because we we nailed it exactly. Like He had plans with his girlfriend to go to Mexico, and he had to call her and be like, hey, we're going to Toronto yeah, the sucks. All-Star game. Like he, he looked pissed the no. entire time. Everyone's pissed. Not to go on the All-Star rant again, but everyone's pissed about having to go the all-star game. And for Georgiev getting back to the point in this game, this and the caps game, he looked like he had a little bit of his swagger back. Yeah. Some of these where he's flashing out the glove and pulling it back down. And like, he, he looked solid. He looked sturdy in his net. Cause it's just over the last few months, he's just seemed twitchy. He seemed yeah. nervous. Like every time there's a scoring chance, he like, races himself down is like almost shaking every time a puck comes at him and these breakaways happens he's just moving back in his crease tracking the puck and is just in the right positions making the right plays didn't get down on himself when the one goal goes in finishes this game with a 963 save percentage like if you're getting this kind of Georgiev that's probably your biggest problem of the season just outside of second line center and that is probably not probably that is horrible news for the rest of the league. If you're getting nine ten from Georgiev for the rest of the season, it genuinely might be over for everybody. Well, and the Avs are the highest scoring team in the NHL, so if they just get halfway solid goaltending, they're going to win ninety percent of the games. Yeah, That's... just just on that point, real quick, the Avs lost three games the entire month of January. I'm just going to list off the goals they scored in every single game. Bear with me here: five, five, four. Four, three, five, three, seven, two, seven, six, five. If you just get goaltending a little bit, you're done. Like if you're scoring at that rate, you're done. It's wrapped up. Well, and and that's the thing when you get into the playoffs. We know the offense isn't going to be as great because that's just playoff hockey. The goaltending is what's going to win it. So if you can get nine fifteen, nine twenty from Georgiev in the playoffs, this team is it's over like this is going to be a very dangerous team um other thoughts about this kings game i i I don't know what's gotten into logan o'connor we talked about it a little bit but he's he's now at 13 goals he's going to hit 20 goals this year he's going to hit 20 goals it's just he might hit 20 before the end of february yeah the way he's going right now he is just firing the puck and he looks great that roaring 20s line there you just don't touch it just bednar you just that that's your you're good that line works perfectly they're going to score massive goals in the playoffs 
And Ross Colton is heating up too, man. The goal scoring is going to start coming from him, but he's getting points. He's going to start scoring here soon. Yeah, I'm not concerned about anything with that line right now. Like Logan O'Connor, the two goals he scored in this game. The first one, like, do you want to save on that? Probably, but that's a bar down shot from Logan O'Connor from distance. Like, that's amazing. And Miles Wood digging out that puck on the boards after Ross Colton takes it away from Drew Doughty and O'Connor's wide open in the slot. I mean, you you can't teach that that kind of chemistry. No, these guys like they're just such a perfect fit for each other. And Logan O'Connor, the fact that he's the finisher right now. It's funny. You just throw your hands up. Like, why do we even bother watching the sport and trying to predict it sometimes when just Logan O'Connor bursts onto the scene like this and just over the course of the offseason develops like elite sniper skills and is now probably inevitably going to price himself out of here by the time next season, get himself like a four and a half million dollar contract. He's he's very much on the Barkley Goudreau track to get that type of contract. That's and he's, how good and he's, he's, and he's young. Like he's not old. Yep. Like he's, he's only been in the league a couple of years. He's 20. He's not young. He's 27, but like that's, he's in his prime right now. And is he going to sustain this pace where he has a hat trick and two games later follows it up with two more goals? Maybe. No. I don't know. <laughs> <You> <laughs> He's know. Playing, maybe. But I mean, the fact that you're getting anything from him is phenomenal. And he's at 13 goals. He could finish with zero goals the rest of the season. And you're perfectly satisfied with the offense he's given you the rest of this year. Perfectly satisfied. That line kicks so much ass. We talked about Josh Manson, the way he's playing. And Kale McCarr just casually gets another goal. And they flashed a stat on there. His point per game has gone up every year he's been in the league. He's on pace for 103 fucking points this year. That's how I feel like we have not talked about Kale McCarr enough. He's on pace to shatter his career high and have 100 points. It, it just the, the things with this team right now are so ridiculous. You don't have time to talk about all of them. If we like sat down for an entire episode and tried to break down everything that's just incredible about this team we'd be here for five straight hours and have to break it into multiple parts it's it's ridiculous with this team and Kale McCarr like we had the Nathan McKinnon conversation and Kale McCarr is just that on defense like you just have both you just have two generational players like we're talking about McKinnon might be better than Joe Sackick one day Kale McCarr we've said this a million times could go down he has the potential to be the best to ever do it at his position at the end of the day. It's a it's a mountain to climb. I'm not saying that's a done deal right now, but with his trajectory, he's already got a cup. He's already got a Norris. He might win another, either one, by the time of this season's over. Like, And he is only 25 years old and is already the leading point scorer and goal scorer for a defenseman in Avalanche history. Like his his records are going to be untouchable on this team. You get you give him ten more years, untouchable. No one will ever sniff it. Um, I just loved because I, I forget which goal Sam Gerrard had an assist on. They're like, yeah, Sam Gerrard just passed for seventh all time in franchise D man assists, and it's like, yeah, that Sam Gerrard could finish second, and he'll be a hundred behind what Gail McGarr does at the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, we should also say Kale McCarr just it got lost behind McKinnon. Set the record for NH for Avalanche defenseman goals with the shorthanded goal he scored against Washington 
to open the scoring, and it just immediately got buried yep. underneath McKinnon. And that's that's how Kyle McCarr wants it. He like, doesn't like, imagine like imagine any team having a record like that broken and it getting buried. It doesn't happen. It like, doesn't only on this team. Where gets, that it doesn't just get packed. so he scores with like. 50 seconds left in the first period, and then six minutes and 32 seconds later, Nathan McKinnon has a natural hat trick, and no one even brings up the Kale McCarr breaking the franchise. How, like, how far in this episode are we? Like, uh, probably about an hour. hour. Probably over an hour at this point. I lost track of time forever ago. It's just what we do on here. And th- we're bringing up now that Kale McCarr is now the leading goal scorer for all defensemen in Avalanche history, which happened in this span of games for this episode. <laughs> Two games, two games. That's how much good hockey's being played. Uh, it's just he's unreal, Kale McCarr. He's going to if he breaks 100 points, man. Like I think Quinn Hughes is kind of on the same pace. It does kind of seem like Quinn Hughes, unless something tragic, like not tragic, but unless something happens to Quinn Hughes in this last half, I do think they're going to give it to Quinn Hughes just because it's kind yeah. of the narrative. I think Kale has to like really do some shit. To, to yeah. get to really wrest that away from Hughes or Hughes and the Canucks, like they got to fall off, right? As and a- even if they fall off, I don't even necessarily think he's going to do that much. But it, it's going to take something special for Kale to get it. He's going to be a finalist again. He'll probably finish second again, but it's not going to be unnoticed. That he's going to have 103 fucking points, and that's just the pace he's on, right? And it's like Quinn Hughes has played four more games than Kale, it's one point ahead. <laughs> It's crazy, dude. He's yeah. so fucking good. And th- this decor is looking good. Devontae is getting back to normal. Josh Manson, we talked about Sam Gerrard. Ever since he's come back in the lineup, the Avs have been a different team. Who would have thought? Oh, wait, we said that right when he fucking came back. Yeah, and anyone who watches the Avs and Sam Gerrard knew that was going to happen. And you got this is the best Sam Gerrard we've ever seen. I yes. think say that too. Like the Sam Gerrard that has come back from the player assistance program, a whole different player. Yes. New, complete, perfect top four defenseman in a month has squashed any trade talk. Like, you know that that's untouchable. He's got that perfect $5 million contract for a top four defenseman for multiple years. He's still young. You're talking about trading him. I don't I don't know what to tell you anymore. If you're watching these games, he's been phenomenal. He's been absolutely phenomenal it's another thing that's just in this team's favor right now and we're just we've spent this entire episode almost just mindlessly gushing about this team oh and dude we're glazing we're glazing hard uh, don't don't throw tiktok terms <laughs> tiktok terms of glazing right now you think the people who listen to this show know that that even means you i'm trying to stay hip and cool man you are chronically online that's another word <laughs> it's it's good it's just th- this team is only going to get better too when you add hopefully Val before the end of the year. Right, we've Maybe. just been missing Val for the yeah. last couple of games. <laughs> just a twenty goal scorer yeah. having the best year of his career. Um, oh, here's the stat I wanted to do about McKinnon that I found earlier. Nikita Kucherov scored three points seven times in his past nineteen games. He has lost ground in the scoring in NHL race to Nathan McKinnon, and Nathan McKinnon has five more points in that span, forty-one to thirty-six. What was the goal? Like the the Avalanche have been around for almost thirty years at this point in Colorado, and they never had a, a four point game or a four, four goal game. Four goal game, and McKinnon did it twice in sixteen games this year. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah. This team is this team's really good. They're still a piece away. 
I'm not ready to say they're cup favorites, that they're a piece away. And it's a glaring piece, but Chris McFarland's going to do his best to fill that. And this team is, you have to, it reiterates the point that we've talked about so long on the show for the past two months. If you don't take a chance with the way this team is playing, you will look back on this and forever wonder why you squandered this opportunity. This will be a wasted chance, especially yeah. like, because like, oh, well, they can't win without Landis Gog. He might come back. Like, not to put that idea in everyone's head again, but when this team gets to the playoffs, it's a thing that is being floated out there that it's not impossible for Landis Gog to return in the playoffs. You already have other fan bases bringing it up. Like, oh, here he is. He's going to come off LTIR and be ready for game one of the playoffs. I don't care what they think. If he comes back for game one of the playoffs, it's it. it's over for all of you if Dave Landeskog comes back for the playoffs after we make the additions we make at the deadline. I don't give a shit what anyone says, like, oh, they cheated or whatever. Tampa, Vegas, it's been done multiple times at this point. And Landeskog missed the entirety of last year. I do not want to hear it. Yeah, don't want to hear it. He's missed two straight years. Yeah, so- he's not played a regular season game. We're approaching two years since he's played a regular season game suck it and that's what i'd say it's but it goes back to that chris mcfarlane i know you're going to i i don't think it's a question of if he's going to it's just when he's going to add to this team he is they, they can't last year you saw they tried their best but i think we all can agree that team wasn't going to win a cup that year they, they just weren't good enough I, I, like, yeah, I think they tried to fill in the gaps as best they could and just see how far their elite talent could take them and they almost got him out of the round i mean McKinnon almost got him out of the round were unbelievable but there was literally nothing else there and they still almost like went on a mini run with yes. even that this so, team, th- this league is wide open there is there is no top dog right now it is all everyone just going back and forth and Edmonton's won 15 in a row and everyone thinks they're at the top of the league like we've had like seven different teams be top dog at several different points of this season if the Avs go and fix their second line center problem and just get someone that's usable it doesn't even need to be Elias. Dude, if this team had JT Comfer right now at second line center, they would be ridiculous. Even if it was second half Comfer. Yeah. At least he could play. Like At least he was able to keep up at a certain point. Like Even with that, this team would be undoubtedly the cup favorites. If they just get someone who fits the scheme and can play, they're the cup favorites. And if Georgiev's giving them 9-10, like average goaltending they've got something here like there's there's always been there's always been the pieces this season for there to be something here just two guys have not worked out with thomas tatar and ryan johansson you got three guys that have been home runs jonathan duran miles wood ross colton have all been great additions to this team logan o'connor's developed into something special and you still got the trade deadline to really fix some of these issues. And you've got guys who've stepped up big for you. Sam Malinsky has been a big saving grace for this. And he team. got sent down to the minors today. That, that's how the decor is looking right now. You have, you're able to send Sam Malinsky down to the minors. Well, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's, it's the all-star break and they want him to keep playing, but you have seven viable NHL defensemen right now. And it, it's it, the abs are in a good spot. I am 
I'm bummed the break's coming, but I'm also like, man, a week and a half off for this team, they may just come back and just not lose a game the second half of the season. Yeah, like they, there are the ingredients here for something special. And it's just, I'm not even nervous about Brian Johansson or like if he's going to get traded. He is. Yeah. Like there's no way that management, they've done the things that they've had for the last several seasons and they look at this team and go, yeah, we're just going to run ahead with that. The, there is too real of a chance here. The league is too wide open this year. Like who's your biggest threat in the West? Winnipeg? Dallas, you can't even you can't pick one. Yeah, I mean it's Winnipeg and Vancouver, and Vancouver like none of those guys have playoff experience. Like I, I feel good going against them. It's right. It's all of them are all of them are good, but they're not great. No, it's you look at their superstar talent. The Avs superstar talent beats their superstar talent any day of the week. Yeah, it's all wide open right now. If this team. I've probably said a million straight episodes. They are right there. If they just add that one last piece. They're perfect. They're there. They're there. There's no reason for them to not win. No reason. But I don't have anything else about these two games. I know we have a couple mailbags to end the show. So let's let's wrap it up because we are approaching 2 a.m. East Coast time for Griffin. And he does have to work. So let's get to the mailbag because we could probably go on for another hour if we wanted to. But let, let, let's let's wrap up the show because I need to get you to sleep because you do have work. Yes. yes, we do. So let's start and wrap it up with the mailbag questions that I filibuster as I try to open it again. But let's start with a question from Katie asking, going back to our Kale McCarr conversation, does it feel like Kale McCarr is just coasting through this season? His numbers are great, but it feels like he's on autopilot. I'd love to see him put a little more edge and intensity into his effort. That would really blow the lid off this season with McKinnon's production as well. I have some thoughts on this, but I'll I'll let you go first. I have some thoughts on too. I I do think we take for granted just how good Kale McCarr is, that it looks like he's coasting. The physicality for him hasn't been there this year where like you haven't seen Kale McCarr lay the big hit. I think that's kind of by design because he got banged up last year and he was banged up majority of the year. I would rather have him not be physical in the regular season and save it all for the postseason. Personally, I agree with the point she's making that it does look like he's coasting, but like we just, he's on pace for 103 points. Like he's the best defenseman on planet Earth. The physicality will come as the games start to mean more. Right. And I also think Kale is currently banged up. I mean, he missed a couple of games in late December yeah. and just didn't look healthy for a good portion of the season. And Kale himself has said he feels like he's playing average hockey right now <laughs> which is ridiculous like i I, th- I think saying he's coasting is harsh but it's much like miko rantanen where it's like you know there is still another level to be reached i think it's just kale mccarr has not had the wow factor this season i think that's more what this is pointing to where it's like kale mccarr at his absolute peak you just you sit back and watch you're like i don't even understand what i'm it's like watching McKinnon right now. Yeah, it's it's like watching McKinnon just on defense. Like, I don't even understand what I'm supposed to be watching right now. Like, I'm watching the game be revolutionized before my eyes on defense. And Kale has been a top three defenseman this season. It's crazy. It, it, it's just, it's funny that a player, when they're this good, can have an average season and still be one of the best players on planet. Like, I, like, I do think that's just the bar. Like yeah. the bar for Kale is so high. He set it so high 
that anything that could be holding him back it just it it makes it feel like uh he's just it's not living up to that expectation that we've yeah. got for him. I'm not saying this person's being unfair or stupid or anything like that, but it's just it's not technically incorrect, but it also is just how good Kel McCarr is that he can play like this and have people being like, I think there's still more you can get from him. Because you're right, there is still a little more you can get from him while he's also still doing insanely ridiculous shit like this. I think he's gotten a lot better over the last several yes. games. There, there was a stretch this season where it's like, dude, what the hell are you doing on yeah. some of these plays kind I, of thing? I think that's kind of by design too. I, I think he's saving it for the games that matter. And Kale McCarr is one of those players that when he turns it on, he's unstoppable. So I would rather, if this is him coasting, I say with air quotations, sign me up for that because I'll take that all day, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd take it too. But moving on to the next question, because I do want to kind of get through these. This one coming from Adam. What need should the Avs address before the deadline? Trading for a 2C or getting a more reliable backup goalie? And what pieces or draft picks would you be willing to trade away for that need? And I appreciate the question. And trade deadline talk is is right around the corner. And I feel like this is a little all-encompassing. Yes, it, we, we could go on for an hour. Uh, just keep it short and sweet. Yes to both. And everything is on the table. Yes. Any, <laughs> anything that is not like an essential, like the superstars, I, I'd say roster players are pretty much like yeah. outside of Johansson, obviously. Anything uh, that's not nailed to the ground is is available for the Avs. And we will do all that talk next week because there's no Avs hockey to talk about. So that's going to be probably an episode or two during the break. So instead of answering your full question here, I'll do you one better. We'll have an episode for you next week. We'll ramble about that entire topic for two hours. How's that sound? I mean, I I don't know if they want that, but we'll see. People love trade deadline (laughs) talk. They start talking about it in October kind of thing. I mean, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think I think that'll be fun. We could start putting our list together and start getting some ideas together. But just to answer the question, is is training for a two C or a more reliable backup goalie more important? Yes. The only <laughs> like just two C is the thing holding this team back because it's out there every night. So long as Georgiev stays healthy, he is load bearing on this team. Whereas like you'll survive. But if something happens to him, oh, we're fucked. It's over, and you might still be fucked with a backup goalie instead of Georgiev anyway. But still, getting a two C and Georgiev staying healthy, this team wins it all in my yes. opinion. And getting a decent backup goalie for Georgiev helps, but it doesn't push the team over the top. If that makes sense, yeah, agreed. Right, but it's not to say you don't need a backup goalie because you you do need a backup. You don't have a backup goalie. You need yeah. someone to play games who's not named Alex Georgiev. But in terms of the playoffs, it's two C. Yes, agreed. So moving on, this one from Daniel: If hats are three goals, what should be thrown for four goals? Well, I think we started to get an idea after yeah. McKinnon had four goals. It's uh, it's not always PG. Yeah, there was uh, there's some bras and some underwear thrown on there, which I think is awesome. Like that is, I I don't know. Have you do they have like the National Lacrosse League in Baltimore, like the indoor one? Yeah, I think yeah, it's 
Mar- I mean, it's Maryland lacrosse. I know that's what I'm saying. Like I would yeah. be shocked. But back in the day, the Carl Mammoth, when a player scored six goals, it was called a sock trick, and everyone threw their socks on the field. That's just fucking gross, right? It was like you think about it. It's like Can you imagine you're at a game with thousands of people, and the people in the 400 start or just throwing socks. Their socks onto yeah. you. That's what they used to do in the NLL. Um, I don't know what you do for a fourth one. Hey, the bra is pretty funny. Uh, I loved uh, Megan from DMVR's tweet that that was like a fifty dollar bra thrown on the ice, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's dedication. That is dedication. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but I'm of the mind where I love my hats too much, and I love my. T- I don't think I could throw a hat for a hat trick. I think for four, I'd save it for that. If I see a four goal game, I have actually, but if I see a four goal game, I think I'd lose the hat for that. Yeah, see, I'm just too sentimental with my hats. Like, I love my hats too much, and I'm also going bald, so I like to cover it up. I know I'm talking to the worst person ever for that because I'm talking to a bald guy, but I'm self-conscious about that. So I'm not going to go into tirade about it, but I, I think you stick with the bra. I think that's funny. Yeah, I mean, but what do you do if you're a guy? <laughs> Socks. <laughs> I th- honestly, I think you do it. I think you do a shoe trick. You throw one shoe. And you have to that walk would be, out of the arena. Could you imagine explaining that as you're walking out of the arena? It's like, what, what happened? Oh, he scored four goals, man. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, you, it's the kind of thing you have to explain to someone. Like, that's yeah, I like that. You everyone, it likes you, Matt, because the Capital One Arena, right in front of it, right in front of the entrance, is like a theater, like a Shakespeare thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine like someone walking out of that, and seeing this mass exodus of people all wearing one one shoe? shoe. Like, what the yeah, they'd be fuck like, is what, going what on? cult are these guys in? <laughs> right, like, what the fuck is going on here? They have to sacrifice something. Yeah, like I, I feel like that's a lame answer to like, oh, you just throw your shoe instead. But just that's what I mean. One, you don't throw both. You just throw one, and now that one shoe is now useless. You can't ever use that again. I like that. I like you, you want to talk about like oh bras are expensive? Can you imagine throwing like a hundred and fifty dollars? Yeah, on the ice. Yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. I, I like it. We'll, we'll brainstorm this. No answer yet, but we'll brainstorm. We'll, this. we'll workshop this over the next yeah. couple of days. But I think I'm on to something. I like it. All right, moving on to our last one from Peter, who is in our mailbag every single time. Peter, we love you. Asking or not even asking? I guess kind of asking. I'm sorry, it's two in the morning and I can't read, but. <laughs> Peter saying, I love the game score prediction part of the podcast. Can we please do a tracker and review who was right and who was close to being right? Thank you. You're welcome, Peter. We love you. I think it's a good idea, actually, if we started like just kind of keeping track of some of this, maybe like keeping score throughout the season or something. We got to have like a little bet at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down for that. Yeah, it, it, it would be just because our brains are so synced up that it would probably end in a tie somehow because that's just how me and you just seem to always be. We're just in sync. But I do like that idea, and it'd just be like a season-long thing. And it, it could be fun. We'll have to come up with like a bet, because it yeah. is tough because you live across the country. So to to do stuff like that is it, it's a little bit different. But I, I like the idea. Another thing we can brainstorm uh, during this week off. Yeah, I think it's too late to start doing it this season. But maybe when we get to the playoffs, I don't know, like we're we're not going to predict losses in the playoffs, like kind of thing. Like we're not going right. to be like, oh, I think we're going to lose this game, kind of thing. Like we're not those kind of guys. So. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, if one of the listeners of the show wants to go back and send us the stats, 
yes, we will come up with a crazy bet for that. If someone wants to do that, if, if not, this is starting. Is willing to subject themselves to going back through the shows. Cause like, it's not even like it happens at like a certain point. It's all over. All over. Yeah. It's if not like we can see does that. I will. I I'll figure out something to do. Yeah. We'll figure out something to send you because that, that is going also, to be. Do not do that. I want <laughs> anyone to take the time out of their day to go and do that for us. That, that would be torture. That. Maybe if like we had like a, a devout prisoner listener who's just in prison and they had nothing better to do. Yeah, no, but someone who takes this for their normal day to day life. And when I listen to this, could you imagine? I mean, maybe who knows? I mean, uh, statistically, statistically, it, it would be funny. <laughs> If any, yeah. if any big prisoners out there listen to the show, be sure to send us a letter. Yeah, because very simple. Next year, we just started. We have a Google Doc spreadsheet that we keep. And at the end of each episode, we plug those in and we can go from there. Like, it's very simple thing we can do starting next year. It's probably too late to start it this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost it's almost like we don't have great ideas and everyone else that listens to this is like, hey, you should probably do this. We're like, huh. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. We get it some. We get some of those sometimes We're like, hey, you should probably do this instead. And I'm like. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, here's one thing about... People, I really hope people don't find out that I have no idea what yeah. I'm Here's one thing about Griffin and I. We take criticism well. And we... Oh, we, yeah. We, well, we because it's usually right. It's usually right. That's what I'm saying. We take constructive criticism well because most of the time it's right. Yeah, the, the good thing about not knowing what you're doing is you take criticism very well. Yeah. If they're Most of the time, they're right. Yes. It's like, yeah, that's a great idea. I didn't think of that just because I'm fucking stupid. But yeah. So, and then that's, I don't think I have anything else for the show. I don't think you have anything else. I will say you will get your Tate McRae experience because she is headlining the uh, performances at the All Star game. So you'll get your Tate McRae experience. That's fantastic. I can't yes. wait. I'm looking forward to it. Good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, and yeah. And I, I speak for the United States of America when I say, Go Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the Chiefs, bro. Fuck, fuck the Chiefs. Um, if Griffin's in a bad mood on Monday, just know. Bad. Uh, you think I will be in a bad mood? If- I don't even know if I want to record that day. Honestly, it's it's basically the same point that I had when Michigan went into the last like five weeks of the year. It's the exact same for Griffin, except times 10 because he works for this, the team. No, like I appreciate the sentiment. I have had I have more riding on this football game than I have had for any sporting events and beyond in my entire life. Yes, no, this that's what I'm saying. Like, fandom. This is the team that I am employed by and have grown up with since I was three years old. The Ravens predate everything. The Ravens predate hockey for me. I grew up in a Ravens jersey, and like some of my first memories are watching Ravens games. Now I work for this team. And now we are the last bastion of hope against the Kansas City Chiefs. And if we win this game, when we win this game and go to the Super Bowl, I feel good about our chances and can witness a Super Bowl in person. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. In like the stadium as I'm like actively doing stuff for the Super Bowl. There is more riding on this game than anything. 
Yeah, it, it it's a big deal. It's also kind of cheating how many like people the Ravens are bringing out. Like Ray Lewis will be there. Ed Reed's gonna it's, be there. It's the Avengers of Baltimore. Yeah, it's, it's Ray not Lewis. Fair. Like I'm just gonna straight up be a shill right now and just straight up promote this game. You got Ray Lewis and Ed Reed that are gonna be running out of the tunnel. You got Terrell Suggs is gonna be there. Jonathan Ogden's gonna be the the captain of the game. Anquan Bolden's gonna be there. Michael Phelps is gonna be there as well i mean it's like if you're from maryland at all and of like a d-list celebrity or greater they're gonna be there this is probably this is without question the biggest game for the ravens outside of a super bowl ever with like this is bigger than any game previous you know what's funny about this whole thing is the way we view the chiefs is probably how people view the avs <laughs> i don't know if we're there yet there's there we're not tied to like Taylor Swift and Jackson Holmes or anything like that. You know, like there are some some villains on the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know what McKinnon just eats like chickpea pasta. Yeah, I don't know. It's just we need the Ravens to win and fuck the Chiefs. Fuck Kansas City. Fuck Patrick Mahomes. I actually do kind of like Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, but fuck the Chiefs outside of them. But we will not be allowing that in the Super Bowl. No. No, no chance. We need to no take chance. back our sport. Yes. This has gone on long enough. Yeah. So Go Ravens. Keep me in your thoughts and prayers. I will be in one of the nests for the game and witnessing the madness unfold in person. This is the m- most anticipated sporting event probably of my life. Yep. Go Ravens. Go Lions. And let's go to bed. <laughs> that's, that's a great, that is the best idea you've had all day. Let's go to bed. Bed. It is 1.38 a.m. Eastern Time. I have been up since 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. That is a fantastic idea. Yeah, so yeah. shout out Zach Parisi because Griffin would not have recorded this episode if Zach Parisi was uh, I was inside. I was catatonic. Yeah. Like, I got home from this thing I was at for 12 hours, and I was like, dog, there's no way. And then the Zach Parisi thing comes through, and I just had to take a deep breath and just be like, I got to do it. I just, I got to nut up and do it. I'm going to say something that's probably going to make you mad. Uh, I slept until like 1030 today. Fuck you. <laughs> don't even talk to me. We're ending it here. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can use promo code Tell It Abs It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. If you want to follow Christian, his stuff's in the description. I'm not saying <laughs> I mean, If you want to follow the show, you can follow it at Tell It Abs It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs. <laughs>